All right, well, let's take our Bibles this morning and let's go to the book of Luke, all right? Book of Luke this morning, as many of you know, we're in the Christmas season, which is one of my favorites, by the way. But we're in the Christmas season and it should cause us all to pause and simply reflect and think about our great Savior, to remember of His first coming to earth as He came. To earth He came, born of a virgin, born of a miraculous birth. He came to live a perfect life, to dwell among men, and uh, to then, after that, to die a substitutionary death for all mankind, to be laid in a borrowed grave, but rise again from the dead on the third day in order to pave the way for sinners like you and me to come to a holy God. I'm thankful that this season should cause us to pause and to think of all of what Jesus has done for, for us. And so with that in mind, we've uh, paused our study through 1 Peter to look at a few different events and texts that surround the first coming of Jesus, that surround His, his birth. And uh, with that in that mind, we took, took note last time of the announcement of the birth as a king. And we took note of several responses to that knowledge and to the truth of Jesus' arrival as we looked, of course, at the wise men. They came to worship Jesus. We looked at Herod, that horrendous, horrendous tyrant, how he wanted to destroy Jesus. And, of course, the chief priests and scribes, how they simply ignored the Lord. But during this season, don't be, don't be like that. Don't ignore him. Don't try to push him away but rather reflect and think upon the Lord, which should cause us all to be like the wise man and to worship Him. So worship the Lord, all right, as you think of why He came. But as we continue and to look at some events surrounding the birth of Christ, I want to look at um, a couple different passages of Scripture. We're going to start in Luke chapter number 1, but then we're going to jump over to, to Matthew chapter number Chapter number one. All right. So if you want to put a finger in Luke, you can put a put your thumb in Matthew, and we'll go to it here shortly. But we're going to start first in Luke chapter number one. All right. And uh, let's read it. Let's let's read. Uh, let's just start in verse twenty six, and uh, we'll go down through verse number tw- uh, thirty eight. Okay. A little lengthy portion of scripture, but time is never wasted reading the Word of God. Hello. Okay. I just make sure. You're, okay. All right. Hey, man. Okay. All right. All right, verse number 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath 
also conceived a son, her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Of course, that uh, child she was having was going to be John the Baptist. All right. But verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. That is the key verse of the whole chapter, number one. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed, departed from, from her. So here from this text we see that Mary has found out that she will be expecting a child, expecting a, a son. And this seemed absolutely impossible seeing she was a virgin. And for her to be expecting, well, for her at this moment, well, it just didn't make any sense. But again, the angel made it very clear that with God, nothing shall be impossible. But in this text, Mary found out she would soon be expecting her firstborn son. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. When you, were, you, you, you begin to expect a baby, and those that have had children... And uh, when you expect a baby, there are several questions people have. And the first one, a lot of times they have, is this one. Do you know what it is yet, right? They want to know. Do you know if it's a boy or a girl? And then as parents, when you do finally find out the gender of the baby, you be, there's two, two responses you have. You become absolutely excited, right? Or terrified. <laughs> uh, for me, when we found out we were having, of course, Neely, uh, I was terrified. You say, Pastor, why were you scared? Are you kidding? I'm responsible for another human being. Yes, that is terrifying. And then to find out that it was a girl, double terrifying, all right? Because you understand, I didn't have sisters. I called my brothers sisters, but I didn't have sisters, all right? I have two brothers, all my cousins, all of them, both sides of the family, all boys but two. So I grew up with just with brothers and with boy cousins. So I didn't know what to do with a girl. I mean, can you take them hunting? Can you take them fishing? Can you teach them to wrestle? And I found out you can do those things, all right? But, but, uh, but I didn't know, and so I was terrified. But a lot of times people, when they begin to, when they have a, 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 expecting a child, many people want to know, well, is it a boy or, or a girl? But after you find out what the gender of the baby is, the next question is this. What is their name? <laughs> Everybody wants to know what you're going to name the baby. Why? So they can secretly judge you. That's why. No, just kidding. <laughs> Everybody wants to know the name of, of the baby. Why? Well, because names are important. Uh, names mean something. Now, sometimes parents give a child a name that have been, been in the family for, for a long time. Maybe they'll name them after the parents will, after, after themselves. They'll name them John Jr. or whatever. Anybody, anybody here a junior? Anybody, any juniors? We've got a, got a few juniors. Okay. Got a few juniors. Anybody here a junior, junior? <laughs> You're a third or a fourth? No. Uh, but a lot of times we'll, we'll name a child after, after ourselves or after the parents will do it after, them, after themselves. Other times they'll, uh, we'll name a child after a grandparent or or, or whatever, of course, our children, that's, that's how we name them. Uh, uh, grandparent on each side of, of the family. And my name, I get it, my first name, I get it from, from my dad. And, of course, my middle name, I get it from my great-great-great-grandfather. And uh, so we do that. Why? Well, somebody in the family that had an impact in your life, and, well, you want to share that name and keep that name 
alive. And so names are important. Even the Bible says that Proverbs 22 and verse number 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Again, in Ecclesiastes 7, 1, a good name is better than precious ointment. So I would say that we all agree that names are important. Names have meaning. Names have history. And they matter. And in Luke chapter number 1, we find a name that's become the most important name in all of history. And in all of eternity. And that name is none other than the name of my Savior. The name of Jesus. Now understand this name for many. It is loved. It is cherished. It is praised. It is adored. It is magnified. It is worshipped. It is exalted. It is honored. It is respected. And so much more. And yet for others at the same time. Others it is a name that is hated. It is a name that is scorned, that is scoffed. And yes, it's even a name that is sadly used in vain. You know, you ever had a thought about that? That when someone goes to use God's name in vain, which name do they use? You know, I've never heard somebody cuss in Buddha's name. Never have. I've never heard somebody use Muhammad's name in vain or cuss in the name of Allah. I've never heard that. But I've heard many times of people using God's name in vain, using the name of Jesus in vain. But why? Well, because if you're going to use God's name in vain, that means they have to be God. Amen. (laughs) If you're going to use His name in vain. Because listen, there's only one true God, there's only one true Savior, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But the God of this world hates that name and hates that name. One and true God. And therefore he tempts people to use his name in vain. Even the Pharisees, Jesus referencing them in John 8, 44, when he said this to them. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. That word lust is the desire. That's what he ultimately wants. And one of those lusts, one of those desires of the devil that he really wants is for humanity to hate God. And to hate the name of Jesus. I mean, after all, remember, it is what he desired and lusted for, for God's servant Job. Do you remember? The Bible says that that the devil wanted Job to curse God to his face. He wanted Job to hate God. The Bible says in Job 1.11, But put forth thine hand now, this is Satan speaking to God, Put forth thine hand now, and touch all he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. Again in Job 2.5, But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. This is what he wanted. This is his desire. He wants humanity to hate God and to hate the name of Jesus. And those that take the name of Jesus, the name of God in vain, listen, what they're doing is simply acting upon the very lusts and desire of the devil. Let that sink in a little while. But understand, this name, it is hated. But yes, this name as well is loved and cherished by every born-again believer. The name of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm thankful for that name. The very name that I called upon to save my soul when I was 16 years old. I'm thankful for the name of Jesus. And so this morning, I would like to look at a couple of names that's given to the Lord. That's, of course, surrounding His birth here. 
in Luke 1 as well as in Matthew number 1. But the first name I want to consider is this. Number 1, take the name of Jesus. All right? Again, in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And Matthew chapter number 1, and verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Again, in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 1, And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, as you see this name here in Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1 of Jesus given to the Lord, please know this points to and proves so many things just from His mere name. First thing it does, it points to and proves is this. It proves His humanity. Understand something. Our Savior, He was 100% man and yet at the same time 100% God, which we'll get to in just a minute. But this name Jesus proves that he was a man. He had a physical body like you and I. He, he, had, he got hungry like you and I. He was thirsty like you and I. He got tired like you and I do. And even as the Bible says, as the Apostle John said in his gospel record, when his hour had come, he bled as a man, died as a man, and was buried as a man. Listen, Jesus, he was... A man. In John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 2, 17, Wherefore in all things it behooved Him to be made like unto His brethren, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 2, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through 11, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Understand this name here that was given to him at his birth. It proves something. It points to something. What is it? Well, it points and proves. It points to His humanity. But not only does it point to that fact, but we see some other truths that it points to as well. And we see this truth by, this, by the simple definition of the name Jesus. And you say, well, what's the definition of the name? Again, because names have meaning, yes? Well, what's the name of Jesus? What does it mean? Well, it means this. Jesus means the Lord is salvation. That's what his name means. And with that name and with that definition, here's something else that his name points to. All right, you ready? It points to the fact and proves a fact that, guess what? You and me are sinners. You see, if listen, if the name Jesus means the Lord is salvation, then logic would tell us that that means the Lord came to save something, yes? Or save someone or save some people. 
But who was it that the Lord, who is salvation, came to save? Well, that's a great question. And for that answer, we must look to the Bible once again. And here's the, here's the answer to that question. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5 and verse 32, Jesus speaking, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And Luke 19, 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And Paul would say this to his young son in the faith, Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 15. He says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world. Why, Paul? To save sinners of whom I'm chief. I don't know about you, but I'm glad Jesus came to save sinners like you and like me. I'm so glad because, listen, if He did not come, there would be no hope for you and I. But because He did, we have great hope. So understand, His name points to the very fact and proves, listen, that you and I are sinners. But again, this is why many hate Him. This is why many hate this name today of, of Jesus. You see, they don't, they don't hate Jesus for, for healing the sick, for helping those that were maimed on their feet. He, they don't hate Him for giving sight back to the blind. They don't hate Jesus for feeding the multitudes or blessing the children or walking on water or casting out demons. They don't hate Him for all the multitude of miracles that He had performed on this, on this earth. They don't hate Him for being born even in a manger. They don't hate Him for even dying upon the cross. They don't hate Him for these things. But here's why people hate the name of Jesus once again. The Bible says this in John 15, verse 18 through 25. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you're of the world, the world will love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord, of course, that portion of Scripture he's referring to, just a couple of chapters before in John 13. But he said, If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things they do unto you for my name's sake. Here it is. Because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law that hated me without a cause. Understand, this is why they hate him, why he exposed that they were sinners. You see, people hate the name of Jesus because the very name proves we are all sinners in need of a Savior. It proves that all mankind is wrong and that He is right. That mankind lives in darkness, but that Jesus is the light and exposes darkness. You see, in John chapter number 3, verse 19 through 20, it says this, and this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Listen, nobody likes to be told they're wrong. No one likes to be told they're a sinner. But it is an absolute truth, and we must all be honest with this truth. 
For until we are honest with this truth that we are sinners, we cannot be helped. We must be honest. And here's the brutal honesty of it all. Again, you and I, we are sinners. We are wretched, full of ourselves, full of pride. We are, we are sinners. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, that word there where it says have missed the mark, that word uh, missed the mark is, is, is God's perfection. That's the mark. That's the mark, perfection. But nobody's perfect, right? Let me ask you a question this morning. Anybody here would uh, confess that you are perfect? Please raise your hand. Okay, I was going to say thank you for gracing us with your presence from heaven today. All right. But none of us are perfect, but yet that's the mark. Perfection is the mark. That's the only way to get to God. We must be perfect. And they say, Pastor, we're not all perfect, and so this is impossible. I can never, can never be this way. And I would say you're absolutely 100% correct. And that is why we all need a Savior. He said, the bad news is this, we're sinners. Oh. We're sinners who deserve a just reward, right reward, right wage, earned it, of death. As the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. And you can see that from this name. It implies that we're sinners. But I want you to see this from this name. Not only does it imply and point and prove that we are sinners, but it does this. It declares Him to be the only Savior. This name declares Jesus to be the only Savior, and there is none other. Sure, down through the years, there have been people who proclaimed themselves to be the Messiah, but there's only one, only one in history that fits this description as the Messiah, the Christ, as the Savior. There's only one through history that has fulfilled all the prophecies concerning the Messiah's coming. There's only one Messiah who laid down his life for all mankind, only one, and that is this Jesus and Luke chapter number one. He is that one and only Savior. And even in this moment, in Luke chapter number, number 2, heaven, all of heaven came down on that special night to declare that this is the only Savior. Look at it with me. Uh, so, so if you're in Luke chapter 1, turn over a page and go to Luke chapter number 2. All right? Luke chapter number 2, I want you to see this for yourself because it's really exciting to see. And uh, I want you to nail this down, all right? And as we read this portion of Scripture, starting in verse number 8 in chapter 2 of Luke, I want you to try, to try to imagine being one of these individuals in this scene. Uh, try to imagine being uh, one of the shepherds in the field this night, seeing what they saw and hearing what they heard. All right? The Bible says this in Luke chapter 2, verse number 8. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. I would be too. All right? And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
And this shall be a sign unto you. He shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. That word multitude means there's just an innumerable amount. He couldn't even count how many people were there. A multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Listen, at this moment, this angel alongside the multitude of heavenly hosts, a multitude of heavenly angels, at this moment, the angel as well as the multitude were thundering out this right here. This babe in a manger. This is him. This is the one you've been waiting for, the one who's been praying for, the desire of nations, the Savior of the world, which shall be for all people. This is Him, and His name is Jesus. Folks, listen, it would be good for us to understand the absolute significance of this declaration in Luke chapter number 2, leading up to this moment in history. Uh, let me ask you, what happened, what happened right before uh, the book of Matthew? Someone tell me. You say the book of Malachi. Good job. All right, yes, all right. Uh, that is the last book of the Old Testament, and you go into the New Testament. But what I'm asking is this. Historically, what has taken place leading up to, leading up to this, this event? Historically, it has been considered the 400 silent years. Now, this time period of 400 years has been considered silent because during that time period, there was no new prophet. There was no new prophecy. There have been no new visions, no new dreams as God had previously given in the decades before like under prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and others. They haven't had that for many, many, many years. It would seem during those 400 years that God was silent until this moment when God sent His angel to make this declaration until God sent the multitude of heavenly hosts, God struck up the choir, we would say, and made this declaration that this is Him. And God was silent no more. Let it be known that the Savior had come. He had been born, and His name is Jesus. Listen, His name declares Him to be the only Savior. These angels declared Him to be the only Savior in time after time after time. During Jesus' earthly ministry, the Heavenly Father would even speak out of heaven and declare the Him to be the only Savior. You can read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 3, verse number 1. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Again, the Father said out of heaven in Matthew 17, 5, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. In Mark chapter number 9, verse 7, This is my beloved Son. In Luke chapter 9, verse 35, This is my beloved Son. Many times through Scripture, even the Father out of heaven declared this man, this Savior, this Jesus to be the only one. His name declares him to be it. His name declares him to be the Savior. The angels declared it. The Father declared it. And the believers down through the ages have been doing the same, declaring this Jesus to be the only Savior. And I will declare it once more. This Jesus is the only one. And so if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, there is none other. He is the only one. And you can call upon His name. 
and be saved today. So at his birth, he was given a name. That name is Jesus. But it's quite interesting. There's others, other names that were given to him. And I want to look at one more this morning. And so for that, turn with me to Matthew chapter number 1, all right? Matthew chapter number 1, and we'll go to verse number 23, okay? Matthew chapter number 1, and look at verse 23. If you're there, say amen. That's most of you, okay. Matthew chapter number 1, verse 23, the Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name, what's the name, church? Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. What a name. What a name, Emmanuel. Now understand, this was a prophecy. Uh, this right here was not the uh, originally given just at his birth. Understand, understand, this was given some 700 years prior to the very birth of Jesus. For it would be the very prophet Isaiah himself that would prophesy of the coming Messiah. When he said this in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. He will give you a sign, a prophecy of the coming Savior, a sign to know that he is here with you, a sign to know this is the Savior. He shall give you a sign. Does this sound familiar? Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, what does this name mean, though? Again, remember, names are important. They have meaning. What does this one mean? This name given to Jesus, I'm telling you what, absolutely amazing. The declaration that, that this angel has given, that this prophecy has given about this Jesus, I'm telling you, is absolutely amazing because here's what it means. You ready? Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That God is with us. Not just in thought or theory, but personally. He came as Jesus. God with us. You see, Jesus proves, that name Jesus proves his humanity. This name, Emmanuel, proves his deity. Don't you ever forget that during this time of the year, I know, we, we celebrate the birth of Jesus and we, tried, and we emphasize his birth and, and a baby in the manger, but I want you to understand something. When he first came, it wasn't just a baby. It was God in the flesh. God with us. Absolutely amazing. You say, Pastor, please explain that to me in every single detail. Okay, no. No. You see, you may have a very analytical mind trying to figure all that out, but listen, it's hard to figure out an eternal God, an all-wise God. You, you can't do it. So it's by faith we believe that yes, Jesus was 100% man, and yet at the same time, 100% God, <laughs> come, come in the flesh. And this, this is my Savior. 
And this morning, I hope he's yours too. He says, there's no other name. Given among men whereby we must be saved. That word must is a wonderful portion of Scripture there in the book of Acts. Where it says must, meaning it's of utmost necessity. No other name. Whereby we must be saved than at the name of Jesus. Do you know that name? And I'm not talking about historically. Saying, yeah, I know historically about Jesus. And I know historically about the manger. And historically about his ministry. And historically about him giving his life and rising from the dead. I know the history. I'm not talking about the history. I'm talking about, do you know him as your Savior? Has there been a time in your life when you have placed your faith in Jesus and him alone for your soul's salvation? When you turn from your sin, you turn from your unbelief and trusted Christ and called upon His name, do you know Him? Do you know Him this, this morning? I'm telling you, there is no other. There is no other Savior. There is no other person who could save our souls. And so if you're here this morning, you do not know Him, you can the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And he would later on say, three verses later, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But that name to call upon is Jesus. So my friend, if you're here this morning, you don't know him. You can call upon him.